We're the podcast. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I'll see your eyes. You're rolling your eyes. I'm not. I'm looking outside the window. I'm trying not to throw my microphone out there. <laughs> I want to be across the road in the golf course, just lying out in nature. Welcome to Pending Approval, the podcast that follows the business world through the ups, the downs, and the complete mindfuck moments. My name's Glenda Winyard, and with me today is Producer G. Hi guys, Producer G here coming from the floor of her bedroom. That's not an ergonomic environment. I know, it's not very ergonomic. However, I have a flatmate who's also working from home at this time and podcasts need soundproof spaces which this bedroom is also not that but we're we're trying to do the best that we can in this work from home world we're all trying to do it i've got the cat and the dogs that i'm contending with and the neighbor's building site it's it's pretty difficult when you're trying to juggle kids and working from home and animals and daily routines that sort of go on around you that you're not quite used to Well, my apartment sits right on South Dowling Street, which is a a highway in Sydney. And I never really thought about the amount of noise that comes from the highway until I've sat here in this room or my living room for the past four weeks. And now I can not stand hearing someone hooning past on a motorbike or some giant truck going to drop off toilet paper somewhere that isn't my local Coles. So it's actually kind of annoying me now. It's really getting to me. How are your toilet paper stocks? Well, my partner and I went for a drive on the weekend to go and find some toilet paper. We had to drive 45 minutes away from our house and we were able to find Quilton, which is like gold right now. Mm, it is gold. Well, I've got the key to the office and I we had enough toilet paper in there for all of our staff for at least four weeks, so I'm sorted. Well, that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's okay. I can do it. It's really not okay, to be honest. I think I'm really sick of being stuck inside. Before, it was kind of okay. You know, I was getting used to sitting inside, not going anywhere. Now, I'm bored, quite frankly. I do. I do believe that the boredom's going to crack soon. Look, I've worked through the 1987 stock market crash, the 2010 GFC, and now COVID-19, and I absolutely do not believe those previous two events prepares you for the fallout that we're actually starting to see now and will well, continue to see for a while. A lot of people are comparing this to the war and the Great Depression, but back then businesses could remain open, so I'm not sure that that's quite right. What do you think? Yeah, no, I tend to agree. And plus we've also got partial closures. It's not like we're completely closed down, although lots of bars, uh, fitness clubs, for instance, you know, they they definitely are shut. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? And it's very interesting to see how each uh, country has adopted uh, to the situation too. I agree. Australia's had a really difficult time these past, well, even four years for us. Um, so how do you feel about the lead into COVID-19? Well, you make a good point. We've had the drought, which really has impacted upon uh, remote Australia and regional Australia in particular. Then we've had the bushfires, 
which have undoubtedly impacted upon Australia significantly in recent times. That was followed by flooding in Queensland, and now we have COVID-19. So we're seeing businesses and people who were already under pressure now placed under even more extreme pressures, and I don't believe we've seen that in many years. Mm. The likes of Hong Kong also have had the protests. There's been a lot going on overseas as well. So it really has taken its toll across the globe. You're right there, G. It's caused huge amounts of uncertainty and at times there really hasn't been a uniform voice, uh, particularly amongst governments and different health organisations, often quite slow to react in some ways. So people are feeling very anxious, they're uncertain, uh, and they need a little bit more consistency. And you are starting to see a much calmer week this week in Australia than what we saw last week, for instance. You know, people people were still in panic mode. Um, but look, there's lots and lots of other examples that we're all learning from, like Ebola, SARS, AIDS even. Um, and I know a lot of uh, business people are looking to China at the moment to understand what's going on there. Well, they really have been able to take those previous examples, especially of Ebola and SARS, and implement all of their learnings. A lot of the Asian markets have really been able to adapt and pivot quite quickly, whereas I would say some of the Western markets, America, even Australia being one of them, are really taking their time and looking at what they can do to slowly wind down rather than do the full shutdown that Hong Kong did within about six days of this virus spreading. Absolutely. Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan. Although Japan's had a bit of another bit of an out, uh, outbreak now, still it's not as significant as Europe. And I look at Europe and, and the US, and they really are the epicenters for this uh, crisis at the moment, aren't they? They are. They just Their populations are so big that they just can't control this if they're not doing things like lockdowns. To be honest, I don't know what's going to happen when, you know, America, you've seen nearly 5,000 deaths, I think it came out, or just over 5,000 deaths in New York State alone last week. So it really is scary seeing a lot of the governments dragging their feet on things like lockdowns where it does take a massive toll on your economy and your people and mental health especially. But it really is doing something to slow that curve and you know make the change that we need when we are talking about COVID-19. Well, New Zealand and Australia have been really good examples in a lot of ways because we are starting to flatten the curve and we are seeing quite a, a, a good reaction. You know, you mightn't always like what the government is telling you to do, but it is actually working. But I do think that the governments at time have a bit of a, a genuine lack of understanding of how business works. And I think that is actually what's upsetting most people at the moment. We're sitting in a climate where small to medium businesses employ, what was it, about 80% of the workforce? Yeah, that's right. 69% of businesses actually only employ between one to four people. That's insane when you really think about it, because how many businesses must there be to employ the entirety of Australia? Well, there's 228,000 registered businesses that fall into retail and hospitality, accommodation and food, 
and they represent about 10% of the total number of businesses. That's crazy. It is crazy. And then you've got enterprise as well. Often I think the likes of Qantas um, and some of those bigger organisations have a far greater voice than what uh, and they're recognised just purely because of the masses uh, of people that are impacted in one hit. You mm. know, Qantas laying off thirty thousand people basically in one day, or standing down thirty thousand people, I should say. But you look at construction, transport, postal and warehousing, professional services, sciences, technical services. That's over fifty percent of the workforce as well. Mm. So huge variety is what's come through. But originally the government was forecasting that there would only be an extra $150,000, uh, $150,000 job losses. But actually uh, then they had to reforecast within a week and it was really sitting at about $1.1 million extra. And I've heard that that's even increasing to about $1.5 million this week. Absolutely, because as businesses are starting to work through uh, what COVID-19 and shutdowns or lockdowns actually mean for them. There are, and some of the government incentives, who's eligible, who isn't eligible, they really start to work out what they're going to do and what they aren't going to do. Um, you know, if construction is shut down, for instance, there'll be another 300,000 job losses. Mm. And the insurance industry is begging um, apparently for, for it not to happen because of all of the uh, completion dates and the contracts that are in place. So the, the fallout there for the insurance industry will be massive. Mm. And, you know, like you said before, the rules really are changing all the time. So we've seen, I'll use this hairdresser example, the fact that hairdressers were told maybe two weeks ago that they had to shut down, then last week told that they were able to reopen but only for 30-minute bookings and then be advised to shut down again by local premiers. It really is confusing for all different businesses, not just personal care. I find the work-at-home safety rules to be really confusing. So as an employer, we've been told our staff have to work from home if they are able to and which ours are. So you and I are both recording from our homes at the moment. And you've got to ensure that they have two fire exits so that they, if there's something goes wrong, they can actually escape the building and that they're also working in ergonomic conditions. So their chairs have to be appropriate, the tables have to you know, be an appropriate size and all the rest of it. So it's quite confusing because if you have 10 or 50 or 100 employees, you've got to actually make sure that their homes are kitted out appropriately. Most Imagine if you're Qantas right now, 30,000 people at least you'd have to kit out their homes. What about the pressure on the internet right now? Because even I'm having major dramas here, so I can only imagine it's getting worse for more suburban areas as well. It's pressure on the internet, but it's also pressure on the infrastructure, other infrastructures like electricity. For some unknown reason at the moment, there appears to be lots of people that are losing their power in Sydney. Mm. And it's maintenance work is how it's explained to me, but I still don't get it. I just find the internet pressures, we spend all that money on the NBN, but the internet pressures are massive at the moment. They 
You can even see if you're streaming Netflix at night, you can see how many people are trying to use the internet and you can the image quality is extremely poor. So it's quite interesting when you look at that. Mm, yeah, it's really difficult for everyone right now. And those businesses that are affected by things like work from home, potentially job closes, etc., I'm imagining all of them have some sort of lending, either with a big four bank or a secondary bank. How are big four banks responding to this? Because I know that they are the ones that are driving the lending appeals through the government, but I've heard a lot about what they're doing for small businesses right now. I think we've got to put it into perspective because most small businesses lend via second-tier lenders. Not long after the government announced the government-guaranteed lending facilities that were being driven through the big four banks, the big four banks then went out and advised uh, the fitness industry and the hospitality industry, basically workers and business owners alike, that there was no lending because they didn't meet the criteria. Now, you've got to think that a lot of these businesses were shut down and it also will impact on to other businesses because there's lots of requirements around these government-funded or government-guaranteed lending facilities, such as you've got to have your all your ATO statements, everything's got to be up to date. Now, a lot of smaller businesses often lag behind. Big corporate organisations, sometimes their tax accountants hold back on making, you know, filing... Uh, returns or whatever it may be. And so like there's lots of other little layers going on in the background and it won't be until businesses really understand what those layers are that they'll be able to work out whether or not they've got help or not. So I think you're going to see a second wave of nervousness in business. Mm, And it sounds like a lot of them actually just won't have the help that they think that they will. I really don't believe they do. I think most people now who are business owners or managing a big business are sitting there going, right, well, they're coming to grips. And once management really come to grips with what's going on, I think you'll see that they'll they'll start to calm down, they'll start to work through it and, and look, you know, and say, right, well, we've just got to do this ourselves and this is how we're getting on on with it. Mm. Sounds like what you're talking about right now is future-proofing. So I just want to jump ahead to that. What is now the time for? Is it for planning and pivoting or should businesses be looking to hunker down? Oh, look, you definitely have got to plan and pivot and work out what you're going to do for the future. And what businesses can really do is look to China. And I I know that um, I keep saying this to a lot of organisations at the moment, but there are three phases that we're going to go through. Australia is in phase one right now. We're starting to come out of it, but we, we're still at the end of all that shock and horror. This is what we've done. We've had to shut down our businesses. And slowly we'll move into phase two, which is a new normal, and that'll happen over the next week or so. And then we'll start moving into rebuilding and coming out of the shutdown period, which is where China is right now. So they're in, they're entered into phase three, and you're now starting to see them uh, get back up on their feet. They're about 10 weeks ahead of us. So if we can plan and start future proofing, we can do a lot of, a lot of really good for our business, a lot of good for our businesses, um, that perhaps we don't have time to actually focus on in, 
like in our normal trading environments. Workplace disruption actually happens quite frequently with disasters like flooding, drought, the next virus. It seems like it's all happening and it all happens one after the other. So what can businesses do right now? Well, they need to start working out what's actually going to help future-proof their business because you can't rely on the government to fix everything for you. And like you say, there's a disaster nearly every year, particularly in a country like Australia where we are so, um, you know, weather dependent in a lot of ways. You know, we have got either droughts or floods or fires. There's always something uh, every year, it seems to be. And I look at the pressure on the environment. I look at the human toll. I just look at everything else that's going on at the moment. And I think that it's a time where companies can take stock. The newspaper industry, for for instance, are a really good example where they have started to close many community uh, and regional newspapers. Now, it's been as a direct result of advertising revenue downfall in, you know, the likes of real estate auctions, um, home inspections, event venues, uh, restaurants and pubs, so events, you know, that type of scenario, and also prostitution. I look at some of the long-term solutions that businesses have been working on and how they are bringing them forward as a really good example of what other businesses can do. For instance, if you look at the publishing sector and you look at newspapers in particular, for a long time now, newspapers have been gradually migrating readership from the printed form across into the digital format. So people are reading online or they're reading through an app. Now, COVID-19 has had a direct impact on advertising revenues, particularly for a lot of regional and community newspapers. Those regional and community newspapers have been a bit of a, a bug in the system of the publishing industry because they have held on to their readership. So the, there hasn't been a natural reason why you would close them down. But with COVID-19, they can't physically produce the papers that they used to um, produce. And so they have been able to speed up their long-term goal and actually shut those newspapers down right now and and successfully migrate the readership across into the d- digital spectrum. So it's interesting when you start looking at that, you go, okay, you can see how there's a benefit to COVID-19 occurring for a big organisation like a News Corp, for instance. Now, smaller businesses can actually learn from that. And you're already seeing or hearing about talk from other businesses where they're saying they're going to invest in research, they're looking to rely less on international markets. Um, Many manufacturers are now pushing for government to really look at some of the uh, contracts that they have pushed offshore and make sure that those tenders are actually won by local organisations so that we don't have supply chain issues moving forward should there be another COVID-19 situation. And it really does help the employment rate of Australians as well. Having all that manufacturing on our shores would be completely beneficial right now. 
Oh, it, re- it really would be. We wouldn't have the supply chain issues that we actually have right now. Um, and those that, you know, they're really impacting upon medication, clothing protection supplies, food, toilet paper, lots mm. of, lots of different. So there is also a lot of empathy and understanding that needs to be happening right now. I know everyone really is giving it a good go and really trying, but what can people do to really alleviate the human realities of working from home and being kind of stuck within your four walls? It is a real problem, isn't it, at the moment, because the pressure at home is so great. I mean, I was just talking to one of our clients. She's got a special needs child uh, who she's trying to actually look after. Her parents have taken her second child um, so that there's not the the stress in the family dynamic uh, that just adds to everything when you're working and you're playing and you're all, you know, your day-to-day living together, you're trying to teach uh, children. So there's increased pressure on mental health, domestic violence, uh, alcohol, drug and drug consumption is incredibly high at the moment, Uh, financial pressures for people that have lost their jobs or they've been asked to reduce their salaries by anything from 20 to 60% I've heard of uh, recently. You've got panic buying, so a lot of people are buying items that they would never normally buy, uh, and they can't, so they can't really afford it because they've had that extra pressure. Uh, new levels of homelessness, although the government has really stepped in there with their uh, bill that they passed yesterday, um, the land for the landlords, so that people won't lose their their homes. And then there's the job losses. Internet can't cope. You know, so efficiencies aren't there that they once were. You know, like there's all those little layers that you just can't do. So you've got, you've actually got to think of things as a business owner that you can do to actually make your staff laugh or keep connected. You know, I think it's so important right now. Even former staff, we happen to have a staff member who left us. I keep in contact with her to make sure that uh, she's okay and, and she's happy at the moment because you know, her plans were put on hold. So I just think that there's lots of lots of that outreach activity that we really need to to work on, particularly as we go another month or another month into this working from home situation. And just touching on what we can do as business owners or as leaders or just as people in general, what are some tips that you have about working from home? Because I know that we've had a little bit of fun on the Slack channels recently, getting the Giphy challenges in there. But is there anything else that you can see that business owners can really start to bring into their teams? Yeah, we just do simple things. Like we've got our town hall meeting, which I I actually really like. You know, so we have a town hall meeting every morning. Everyone's on video. We've had all sorts of stupid songs. So, like, the first one was uh, first couple of weeks we all had to sing a song around coronavirus or COVID-19, something like that. We've got all sorts of challenges, like you say, um, gee, you know, around the Giphy. You know, I'm even learning how to use to, to, to do GIFs and, and make sure that we've got, you know, 
uh, gift challenges going on and in, in our your age there, GW. I know, but you know what? I'm not as bad as someone who's slightly younger than me. He's been, he still can't do the GIF. At least I can do the GIF now. So that's pretty cool. And our Google Hangouts, Zoom, Skype, all those sorts of things, you know, those facilities, the online um, video conferencing facilities that are available now are really great. A lot of them are free. Google Hangouts is free. I actually think it's great. And we've got a general channel together for the likes of memes or we make sure that we say good morning and good night to everybody. We post uh, photographs of what we're eating, all those types of things, just to keep connected, just trying to keep that banter up as much as, as you possibly can. We had one of our clients yesterday and she said, oh, I miss the, the water cooler chat. So we had a chat about maths and who won and who didn't, you know, like and what the what the final series was like. I think that kind of conversation is really important to people right now. I think I'm actually having more audio and face-to-face meetings, obviously via video, than what I normally do because people are craving that human connection. Talking about human connections, Easter and Anzac Day are going to be interesting, aren't they? Because they're they're wonderful times for families to get together and you really can't get together with your family right now. Well, you're not allowed to travel, so it makes it quite hard. I know you're still allowed to see your family, but when you have to travel 20, 40, an hour and a half away, it really makes it difficult when there's the threat of getting you know, quite hefty fines in New South Wales. I love the sentiment around Anzac Day, though, and how to celebrate that from your home. And I love the sense of community that Anzac Day is bringing out in people, the celebration in the driveway where you take your candle out at 5.55 a.m. in the morning is my all-time favourite. And I really do hope that people in our neighbourhood and neighbourhoods all over the country take that up. Absolutely. It really just does show how people can come together when they are apart. You know, having that sense of connection is really important for humans right now. And humanity really is shining through. It is. It really is. And I I do, as I say, I love it. Uh, and I actually think that Anzac Day could be the day that really helps that humanity shine through. Look, I think that is it for us today. Do you have anything else to say, G-Dubs? No, keep safe, keep your distance from everyone else, and I'll see you out on the other side. Bye, guys. Bye.